to Acts the third chapter. Acts three nineteen. Acts three nineteen. Praise God. Remember our prayer meeting Monday night, seven o'clock. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. Acts 3.19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Let's read it again. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to speak on the subject. Becoming a convert without conversion. Now, the reason why that I feel that this is so important is because every time, it doesn't make any difference what religious circle you go into, you hear this word, new convert. But you don't hear much about conversion. You also hear a lot about being a Christian. People want to be a Christian without being Christ-like. They want to be a new convert without conversion. And I think that uh, we need to just take a careful look at this. We don't have much time this morning. We had promotion Sunday, a couple of special songs. All of this was great. But we have come here in the house of God for the Word. Conversion simply means to change. Now, there is another word that comes from the word convert that uh, I think that uh, we need to take a look at. The word convertible. Now, a convertible is an automobile which has the ability to be one way or the other. And it can actually be both ways, not at the same time. But we have a lot of convertible Christians that one time they're this way, the next time they're this way. So, whatever's convenient for the convertible Christian, you know, if the, if the weather's just right and you have a convertible, you want to take a kind of a free ride. You know, just that free spirit and let your hair just blow and, and the sun shine and beat down. And, but naturally, on a day like yesterday, you want the top up because the cool breeze blows and needless to say, if, uh, if the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour, and you're driving at 60 miles an hour into the wind with the top down, you will probably lose your head. If not, you'll, you'll lose your hair. Brother Ron said he didn't have to worry about getting gray. Well, I'm kind of a compromise of that, you know. You know, I went in the classroom in there and, and spoke a word to... Uh, uh, the stewardship class, you probably saw me go in there, and right away I noticed that they have a speaker on the video in there, and they said, now, here's a gentleman that looks almost like this man up here. And I looked, and there was a gentleman speaking on the video that has black hair. Now, you go in there and look. Uh, He looks considerably younger, almost like a school kid. Now, I've taken on the professor look, you know. <laughs> the problem is, though, that when I make this change, when I, 
Uh, you know, I've made this change. Oh, by the way, that's me that's in there, taken about 15, 20 years ago. <clears throat> I do not have the ability to change back. Oh, I guess I could get a toupee, you know, and <clears throat> get someone to to really make me up to take a few wrinkles off, and, and uh, I might be able to look somewhat like I did then, but not totally. But we do have too many convertible-type Christians. Just, you know, uh, whatever's right. I remember working on a job once with a Pentecostal man who was not uh, a member of our church. He was a different uh, branch of Pentecost. And this man had a, I mean, a very violent temper. And I remember one day, we called this man Pappy. And... uh, I don't know where he got this nickname, but uh, we called him Pappy. But uh, he seemed to go along with that okay. But uh, one day, he, he just got mad. He was running a roll mill, and we had a piece of big slab of uh, red-hot steel that we put in this, and he used to make a big circle out of it. It's about four foot long and about 12 feet, uh, uh, four foot wide and about 12 feet long. He was to make a uh, about a three-foot circle out of this. And then, of course, it goes and to fabrication, it's welded and, and such. But something didn't work quite right. And it slipped a little bit. And when he rolled it, the ends didn't meet like this. They, 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 they just kind of offset. Well, when you get a piece of metal that's like two inches thick and it gets offset like that, I mean, you've got a problem. Because it's cooling down, and how are you going to get the thing straight? Well, needless to say, he thought maybe he might lose his job, and all of a sudden he lost his cool. And I'm telling you, you talk about a man, really. I was standing over there. He ran me off. He ran everybody off. He was just cussing and swearing and everything. So, I was a new convert, see. I hadn't been saved very long. <clears throat> so I go up to, to Pappy. And, and I, uh, I tell him, I said, you know, uh, because he talked to me a lot about the Lord. I said, you know, uh, uh, I, of course, I didn't know he was Christian. I hadn't been around him much. Until such a time that uh, I was converted, and so I was over witnessing to him, and I found out that he had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that he had been a long-standing Christian. Now, we called him Pappy because, uh, I say because, I'm not really for sure where he got the name because he'd been called that for years, but he was one of the older gentlemen. So he was kind of the, the papa of the group, you know. But uh, when I began to witness to him, he told me, said, well, I've had the Holy Ghost for years. And he talked about how long. don't remember now just how long. Well, when all this happened, uh, I was real alarmed. I was shocked. Uh, I had never heard a Christian swear in my life. And I had been around Christians, uh, but he was the first one I had ever heard. So I kind of, after everybody left and after things had cooled off and the piece of metal was taken out and went back to the furnace to be reheated to see if we could straighten it up and everything, he called me over there. And he says, now, don't you tell any of these people I'm Christian. <laughs> I wouldn't dare tell. <laughs> you know, that's what I was thinking. And he says, I have learned this. He said, this is a very trying place, and you work with a lot of mean people around here. He, you know, he was righteous, so, you know. He wasn't one of them. He said, when I punch the time clock, he said, I put my Christianity right in that little slot when I put my card in there. He said, you're going to learn to do the same. 
If you don't, things will get the best of you. <laughs> what great instructions. And he said, when I pull my time clock back out, or card back out to put it in the clock, I pull my religion out. He said, when I get in the car to go home, he said, I want you to know. He said, I attend church regularly. I pay my tithing. I go to all the church functions and prayer meetings, and I never miss. Well, I was amazed. And so, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I, I really didn't know what to do. And I was around a, uh, a gentleman. Uh, he was one of the older men of the plant, too, but he was, he was not a Christian. <clears throat> and, and he swore. He was the type of guy that he's going to use the name of the Lord in vain. If he, if he, if he, if he made one sentence without using the name of the Lord in vain, he would, instead of you know pausing for a period after it, he would he would swear he'd use the name of the Lord in vain. I mean, he would do that. And so, I just kind of went over there by this gentleman uh, a little bit later, and and we were having a little coffee break, and he said, "Boy," he says, "that pappy gets mad, doesn't he?" Man, he said, I thought I could cuss, but I never in my life seen anybody cuss. And he told me, he said, you know, I think maybe he might be a religious man, too. He said, I heard him talking. I heard him talking about going to church. Well, I said, you know, I said, uh, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know about uh, this religion stuff. Well, he said, you know, that's the way some people are. He said, of course, me. He said, you know, I don't claim to have anything. He said, I can just cuss when I want to cuss. And, Swear when I want to swear, and you know, just going on and on and on. But Christians, you know, they're not supposed to do that. Now, it really is amazing, isn't it? How many people that are of the world, that they do have a, a particular criteria uh, for uh, or standard for religious people. Now, unfortunately, some of those people, when they give their heart to God, that they change their criteria. Now, there is a doctrine that floats around in evangelical circles today, I call it the doctrine of, of beliefism. That is, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, and you're saved. Now, the whole problem with the doctrine of beliefism as taught in religious circles today is this, that it teaches that you can accept Christ without repentance or without conversion. And that's the whole problem with the doctrine of beliefism. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Well, that comes out of the Bible. And I definitely do believe that the Bible is real. The Bible is right. It's not time, it's not time to go, okay? That was not time to punch out. <coughs> okay? Oh, what was I saying, anyway? <coughs> What's that? Oh, beliefism. All right. Just checking up on you. Brother Manley, did anybody else know where I was? Okay, okay, all right. All right. So the problem with the doctrine of beliefism is that, that, that you can just accept the Lord as your personal Savior without praying a prayer, without any remorse for past iniquities or sins, that you can just come to a knowledge that Jesus Christ is your Redeemer, give your heart to Him. You can become a Christian without becoming Christ-like. You can become a new convert without conversion. Now, I am happy to tell you that that is not the teachings of the Scripture. You cannot be a Christian 
without being Christ-like. And you cannot be a new convert without conversion. Now, you can be a convertible. You, know, you can pull up your, your top every now and then and, and, and protect yourself from all the elements of society. And, and then when it's convenient, you can let your top down and let all the elements come in. But that's not the teachings of the Scripture. Now, <clears throat> repentance is necessary. Now, conversion just simply means to change. That's what it means. But did you know that repentance also means the same thing? It simply means to change. Basically, the teachings of the Scripture concerning repentance is this, that you are walking down one road and you simply just change over to the other side. Instead of the broad way, you walk down the straight way, the narrow way. It's actually not only changing lanes, but it's changing directions. But you're going this way, and all of a sudden, you go back this way. Now, receiving the Holy Ghost that's proclaimed in the Scripture is conditioned by an individual turning from sin or being separated from their iniquities. Now, that's in the Scripture. Now, there is something that bothers me, however, about the entire charismatic movement. Now, I put ourselves in this when I say it, because I don't want to exclude the United Pentecostal Church. Now, I do not say that we are charismatic in the, as a brand like some people claim. But, but basically, you know, in a broad sense, we're in, included in that. The thing that bothers me most about this whole movement is that we're teaching people that they can receive the Holy Ghost without repentance or conversion. And then we wonder, why do we have so many problems with people? Why can we not separate people from the world? Why is there so much adultery and fornication among us? Could it be because we're schooling people that they can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which I would question the validity of such an experience? If the person hasn't thoroughly cleansed his heart, in repentance, if he has not converted himself from his old way? Listen to me. There is no such doctrine taught in the Scripture. You cannot interpret Scriptures in this, that Jesus Christ quoted or His words any other way except a man. Hate his father and his mother his wife, his children, yea, and even his own life, and take up his cross daily, that means die daily, and follow after me, he can not be my disciple. Now, you can get caught up in some religious fling, some trendish doctrine. And you can do that. And you may somehow get among Pentecostals and speak in tongues or whatever, but I'm here to tell you that true Christianity requires a Christ-like conduct. And true conversion means turning away from the old former paths. Praise the Lord. Now, in the original apostolic message, 
There was no promised blessing without holiness. Did you know that? Now, I do not have the time to go into all the Scriptures that I feel this necessary to prove this point concerning holiness. But the Bible that I read from says this, And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Now, I'm reading from Hebrews 12, verse 13. Now, if you have your Scriptures or your Bible, you may want to turn there, but please just take your index finger and leave it there, and let's turn back to Acts, the second chapter. All right. Now, if you will notice when Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, this is what he says. Now, when they heard this, he preaches the message. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission, or the removal, of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now the word untoward there, when you look at this word, when you look it up, this is actually making reference to an individual who is lame. The book of Proverbs says the the legs of a lame man are not equal. In other words, the man walks with a limp simply because one leg is shorter than the other. Now, you do not have to be a mathematician to figure this out, that if a man took the same stride with each leg, that is the same angle, now not the same length, but the same angle, that the shorter leg would have a shorter stride, rather, than the long leg. Like my finger here, okay? One and one. Okay, if you protract this, out, protract this, protract this out. This distance up here is greater than this distance. Till you come down until there's no distance at all. And so, what it's basically talking about is talking about an untoward generation, legs that are not equal, a person who walks around, and what happens is they just go around in a circle. And the word untoward there talks about people who walk lamely in circles. In other words, you get nowhere. And the reason why that you do this is because that you are part Christian and part of the world. And you can't walk down the straight and the narrow because the pathway that leads to heaven is designed purposefully so that no sin will enter into the holy city. You may say, oh, Pastor Grant, it sounds like you're taking a strong stand against sin. Oh, you better believe I am. Because it's sin that destroys. It's sin that darkens you. It's sin that cuts you off from the presence of God. It's sin that will send your soul to hell. It's sin that you have to give an account for. And sin is a transgression against the law of God. And so, in Hebrews 12, verse 13, And make straight paths for your feet, lest they which is... lest 
that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. In other words, in your walk with God, you need to pray somehow that God would strengthen the weaknesses that you have so that you can walk down the straight and the narrow. Now, there's a reason why that verse 13 comes before 14. Now, I'm not talking about in a numerical sense, but, but I'm talking about the, the content of the Scripture. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, you can say what you want to, but I've talked to many, many preachers and many people of different religious circles in recent years, and holiness is a dirty word among Christians today. People say, oh, you belong to that holiness church? It's almost like it's a dirty word. Now, what I can understand is that we serve a holy God. Everybody wants the Holy Ghost. And they want to go to a holy city, but they don't want holiness. They want to be a convert without conversion. They want to be a Christian without being Christ-like. There's nothing wrong with that. There's just absolutely nothing wrong. You can just do whatever you want to do. As long as you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know that's not the teachings of the Scripture. That is not the teachings of the Scripture. Now, <clears throat> I think what I'd like to do is just talk about the original law of sin. Let's turn to Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel 18. Verse 4, Jesus says, I say Jesus, <coughs> pardon me. When we think of Jesus, we think about God manifested in flesh in the New Testament. <coughs> God said, <coughs> in verse 3, And as I live, saith the Lord, ye shall not have an occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now, <clears throat> he's making reference to the original law of sin. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. Now, we know, according to Scripture, that every man is born in sin and shaken in iniquity. All of us were sinners or are sinners. In a sense, we're still all sinners. It's just that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ covers or takes away the sin of some. And when there is an occasion in which there is a weakness, that blood takes that sin away. But this is not licensed to go and do what you want to do. Now, <clears throat> so the soul that sinners shall surely die. That means that every soul that sinned will die and go to hell. Except. Okay. And when I use the word except, that means that some of the laws of God have exceptions to them. Now, when we, we talk about mercy. Now, <clears throat> the word mercy simply means withholding of judgment. 
In other words, God makes an exception. You see, God could do, according to His Word, no violation involved. He could act swiftly and quickly. But for some reason, He decides not to. Now, we know, however, that even though He does make a momentary a momentary exception for people because that they have some remorse or whatever, because he is long-suffering, not wanting them to die or to perish, that if they will never repent, there is a day in which that mercy will be cut off. Now, I know you go to the book of Psalms, you say, The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. It's talking about a person who is seeking God for salvation. Now, let's look at uh, some of these exceptions. Uh, Matthew 18. Let's go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. There is... A very, very important message that the Lord has for His disciples and others, or specifically for us. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And this is something that people... You know, everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody wants to sit around the throne. Everybody wants to be in the presence of God. You know, just live like the devil now, but when you die... Make sure the preacher gets you in and and make sure that he says some good words over you so you'll make it in. That's not how you get into heaven. Let me tell you something. When you seal your lips in death, it doesn't make any difference what any preacher says. Whether it be over me or over you or over anybody else. It's, It's your own personal life that you live. But the question's always been, oh... What about the kingdom of God? Okay. And at the same time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted. Now you may be a new convert in the broad sense of, of our Christian vernacular. <laughs> You may be a new convert. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, shook a preacher's hand or whatever you need to do, be confirmed, took communion for your first time, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm certainly uh, not making fun of any of these. I believe the Bible does teach us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't interpret something you do as something that God does. In other words, there is a part for you and there is a part for God. Belief is something that you do. I asked a minister, what is Bible salvation? He said, believe it on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then if believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is salvation, you are your own Redeemer. Because believing is something you do. What is salvation? Salvation is Jesus. It's not believing on Him. Salvation is Jesus. Now, you must believe on Him in order to receive Him. But you cannot receive Him without conversion. 
except ye be converted and become as a little child, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of God. And notice this word, ye shall not, not. Now, we know that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John 3. All right, in John 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You notice the word except again? It simply means that that God is making an exception to the original rule of sin. Now, there's another place in the book of John in which the word accept is not used, but I think the content of it certainly bears witness to, to this. If you will turn to John 8, verse 24. John 8, verse 24. Jesus said, I say therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Now this is taken from Exodus 3, 14, the original law of sin. Because I read that from the book of Ezekiel, eighteen four. But... I think that if you go and look at other translations, you will find that they bear witness to this, that what he's saying is, unless you believe that I am He, or that I am, you notice He is in italics, which simply means that it did not appear in the original text. Except you believe that I am. Exodus 3.14 tells us, that God declared, I am that I am, the self-existing one. And Jesus is declaring that He is the self-existing one. Why? Because the Scripture says, only God can forgive sins. Jesus was more than a man. While He was a man, He was more than a man. He was more than a prophet. While He was a prophet, He was more than that. He was more than a Redeemer. While He was a Redeemer, He was more than that. He was the self-existing God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. For by Him were all things made, and without Him was not made anything that was made. He is declaring that He is the self-existing One. And you cannot receive remission of sins without believing that. You must place faith in Him. Now, Nicodemus came to Jesus, and Jesus says unto him, in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. And of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Now, basically, what I want to do is just summarize Acts 3.26. 
I also want to take in consideration Luke 13, 3 and 5, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Both verses state the same. Matthew 18, 1 through 3, except ye be converted. And then, of course, Acts 2, 38. Acts 2.38 was the message, or it was the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And this was at the birth of the New Testament church when they were preached Jesus and they wanted to know what they should do. Peter said unto them, repent. Well, first place, you cannot repent without believing. You have, to, you have to manifest belief. And that's what Jesus was saying in John 8. Now, you don't just believe in a God, but the God. Not just believe that Jesus was part of something, but believe that in Him dwelleth all fullness. Now, if you don't do that, you'll be baptized some other way than in the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing that oneness people exclusively baptized in the name of Jesus, but people who believe that Jesus was something other than the mighty God and incarnated among men, they baptize otherwise? It's amazing, isn't it? Now, I don't want to sound offensive, and maybe some... Some of our guests will, will take offense to this. But whenever I speak about the charismatic movement in a broad sense, now let me just, just define then particular segments of this. In areas in which the oneness doctrine is not preached is usually the area in which people are teaching that you can be a convert without conversion. So, well, you just can't... You know, you just you, you know, man's just going to be man as long as he's here, and, and and we can't help it. So it just doesn't make any difference what you do. It does make a difference what you do. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the mission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In other words, repentance, remission of sins, and receiving the Holy Ghost. Each one of these are found in the New Testament as an exception to the original rule. And the whole process is conversion. You may say, what, what will happen if, I, if I'm not baptized in Jesus' name? What will happen to me, Brother Grant? And people always want me to pass judgment on. You know, they'll want you to pass judgment. What will happen? I said, I can tell you what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that you must be born of the water. And there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, only one way to be baptized. If you went to the Apostle Paul, he didn't let you pick and hunt and choose. If you went to Peter, he didn't do the same. And he did not say, be baptized whenever the revelation comes or whatever. The Bible says, Cornelius received the Holy Ghost, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I wonder, 
I wonder if the apostles came and stood behind our pulpits today if there would be all this pussyfooting around about religion. I'm serious with you. If Jesus Christ walked our streets today, there would be as many Christians today that want to crucify Him as there were when He walked down the pebble stones of the streets of Jerusalem. You may beg to differ with me, but let me tell you something. If you want to fight out of people and you want it in a hurry, try to take their sin away from them. Try to rob them of those things that pacify the flesh. Try to rob them of those things that are meaningful to the flesh. All you have to do as a pastor, if you really want to rock the boat, is put some covenants in your church where you can't teach unless you do this, or you can't usher unless you do this, or you can't preach unless you do that. And I'm telling you, people rise up in arms. We've never had this before. How come I can't do this and teach my class? Honey, because we're talking about eternal life. We're talking about conversion. We're not talking about being a convert. We're talking about being Christ-like. We're not talking about Christianity in a broad sense. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. One must become humble, unpretentious, dependent, and weak, and ready to be molded by God into an image of Christ. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about being Christ-like because one of these days, the trumpet of God's going to blow. And those that are alive and remain, that simply means those that have, those that are on fire with God and those that remain true to the doctrines of the Bible are going to be caught up to meet Him in the air. And we're going to a holy city where there'll be no sorrow, no tears, no pain. But there's not going to be any sin there either. Isn't it, it, you know, it just seems like a contradiction of, of theology to think that we go to a holy city and, and when we get happy about that because there's not going to be any sin there because we know what, we know all the sorrow that sin has created. You know that? Just think, what if we had no sin in the world? Wouldn't this be a great place? Wouldn't it be a great place? And we think about the holy city. Yet, when preachers stand up and want to preach, or they preach a message wanting, desiring people to separate themselves from the sin, they get upset about it. Oh, no, not me. And we should let everybody else do it, but not me. I'd like you to stand with me. I've gone five minutes longer than what I had planned on going. But I didn't know I was going to get so worked up about this. You know, we like to sing songs like, There's a new man walking in my shoes. Don't we? He don't do the things he used to do. There's been a greater change in him. There's a new man walking in my shoes. We were singing up here when we were baptizing him. There's a new man riding on our bus. There's a new man riding on our bus. I forgot the words to it, but it had something about since you found the Lord, it doesn't cuss. 
There's a new man singing in the choir. We like to sing all those songs. And then we like to walk out of church and say, Don't you dare, preacher, tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me. Don't forget grace. Since when did all this have anything to do with grace? Remember, the God who proclaimed grace is the same God that said you must be converted. God's not talking out of both sides of His mouth. God's not double-minded. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. But the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights above, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Any doctrine about grace that is preached that does not have as its ultimate goal separation from the world and sin is contradictory to Scripture. doesn't make any difference whether I teach it, preach it, whether the Pastor Manley does, or whether you do. It's in contradiction to the Scripture. But oh, what a beautiful feeling. I just heard a testimony on the tape. A man received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in 1957. He was talking about faithfulness. It was a very powerful testimony. A man that didn't know God, a man that didn't know anything about God, a man that didn't know anything about church. He was just driving down the road with his wife, and it happened to be on a Sunday night. It was uh, New Year's Eve, 1957. Most of the churches in that area said we're having a watch night service, and he walked in this church because this church was not having a watch night service, but it was an apostolic church. And so I said that to say that the, the hour of the watch night service is usually later, and this was the only church that had the lights on. And his heart was so heavy because he wanted God. He was frustrated with his marriage, frustrated with his family, frustrated with life. And he walked in. And a preacher preached. He came down to the front, gave his heart to the Lord. Now he said, I didn't know anything about sin. Nothing. I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, I shouted in the presence of God. I wept in the presence of God. I prayed for a long time. It was all set up for a party at his house. He said, you know what I did? When I walked in the back door, I went straight to the refrigerator. I took a pint of whiskey and all the beer I had in there. I poured it down the sink. He said, I went and got my pipe tobacco and took all the pipes I had and I broke the stems off of every last one of them. He said, nobody ever told me it was wrong to drink or smoke. I never heard that in my life. You know what he said? He said, it, was, it seems like a far-fetched idea now, but I went over and unplugged the TV. Nobody had ever said a word about television to me. I called all my friends. There'll be no party be no dancing. I really wonder, I really, really wonder about Christianity when there's no conversion. Mm-hmm. Now, you can hang on to all that if you want to, but remember, there's going to be a day coming. Mm-hmm. This is not a class on winning friends and influencing people. This 
is a church service where the Word of God must be proclaimed. When Jesus touched me, He turned me around. Thank God. I wonder about people who are unfaithful to God, unfaithful to His house. But seeing He touched me, Oh, yes. You remember when the Lord first touched you? Did you let Him mold you? Did you let Him convert you? Did you let Him change you? 